Welcome to the Fan Experience, a Phoenix Rising supporters podcast. Stick around for interviews, analysis, fan stories, and our love affair with Phoenix Rising. And now to kick things off is your host, Niall McCarthy. Welcome Phoenix Rising family. Today's show is in three parts. The first half, the second half, and you guessed it, extra time. In the first half, our analysts, Owen Evans and Kelly McCarthy, break down the Las Vegas game for us. A fantastic score and a fantastic result where we beat the Las Vegas Lights 5-1. In the second half, it's part two of my interview with Susio and Tori. The Valley Boys are back to tell us about how their passion for Phoenix Rising led them to create a Phoenix Rising supporters group. Guys, this is a thing. It's a big deal. Supporters groups have been around for decades in other parts of the world. In Europe, they're often known as ultras, and in Mexico, they're known as porras. Each group has its own focus, its own reason for being, and its own philosophy regarding fan behavior at the games, relationships with the team and the club, and its extracurriculars like charitable initiatives, social activism, or just social gatherings. Phoenix Rising family, you're witness to a historic moment in the life of Phoenix Rising and in soccer culture in Arizona. Following that segment, Kelly brings us the league standings. She also brings a lot of attitude. You're welcome. And then it's on to extra time. If you were with us last week, you'll remember Ray Brewer, managing editor with the Las Vegas Sun newspaper. He told us about the drama surrounding Las Vegas FC. The drama is about their affiliation with MLS team LAFC. This week, we stick with the MLS drama, but it's a different team. It's Sacramento Republic, or Sac Republic, who are in the spotlight. Not just because it's a story worth telling, but because they are our next opponent. It's a very special segment because we have Alicia Rodriguez with us to tell us what's going on with Sac Republic and the MLS, and to tell us what we can expect from the team on the field. Alicia is probably the best football analyst in the USL, with the exception of the other two analysts on this podcast. Without further ado, let's kick off with Owen and Kelly reviewing our 5-1 win over Las Vegas Lights. I said lights, not lice, which is what I heard some rude kids at the game call them last Saturday night. It's time to celebrate Phoenix Rising family. Our boys were victorious last weekend, beating Las Vegas Lights 5-1. The first half was a little tense, but the second half was a jubilant affair. Overall, the game ended as a Phoenix Rising masterclass that set league records on the number of shots taken and number of shots on target in a single game. Wow. We started off strong with Dadashov scoring a goal in the second minute. They equalized in the 22nd minute. That was Cal Jennings scored their goal. Farrell answered that with a beautiful header in the 39th minute for us. And then early in the second half, all three of our forwards scored. Moore, Dadishoff, and Solo in that order. The uh, Solo scored on a penalty, which was earned by Ryan Flood, who was brought down in the penalty box. So Kelly and Owen, thank you for joining us this morning. What are your general thoughts on the game? Owen, let's start with you. Well, I think that the first half picture might have been different 
if Vegas had their first their you know, first choice striker in Danny Masovsky, obviously he wasn't available. He was with LAFC. Uh, yeah, there, there were definitely sloppy moments in that first half, and and Rick and some of the boys alluded to that. You know, when they, they spoke after the game, saying about what had been said at half time. But I mean, in the second half, they just came out and completely and utterly destroyed Vegas, right? There, there was no competition there. I mean, you look at the official stats, Rising had 41 shots. When was the last time you've seen a team put 41 <laughs> shots, take 41 shots, 20 of which are on goal? It, it doesn't happen. Yeah, any team in any league, Owen, not just in I, our I league, just, not just in our division. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't think of them. Nothing comes to mind immediately for just that, you know, the sheer number of shots that they took. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Kelly, your general thoughts? Generally, I was just loving the game. I loved the intensity. I loved the pace. I loved all 41 shots on goal. And I appreciated, you know, especially in the first half, well, throughout the game, Vegas was bringing it as well. You know, they brought the intensity. They brought the passion. Uh, they were young and fit and trying their hardest. So it was a lot of fun and kudos to both keepers. You know, I think they had many less shots, but there were a lot of saves. It was a really fun game and a fun night. Yeah, three of us, we talked during halftime and I think we had various concerns, concerns that some of our players may have been overly aggressive, that there may have been some unnecessary turnovers, that there was some sloppy play. So at halftime, it it was it wasn't game over at that point at all. Um, I think we maybe would have felt that the game could have gone either way. So on what happened in the second half for me, uh, Moore's goal in the fifty first minute that basically put an end to Vegas. What do you think? I, I mean, it, it did, um, and I think that was something that was always inevitable, right? If you take the kind of a a lead that starts to feel unassailable to Vegas. You know, they were running with a lot of energy. They were young. What you needed to do was to make sure that their heads dropped. And and that's what Moa's goal kind of did there. And it was a fantastic goal. It was the kind of goal that you only take, or the kind of shot that you only take on when you're on the kind of form that he is, you know. That, that's the best part about being on, on that kind of form. It becomes self-fulfilling after a while because you take those shots on. Great, absolutely. Okay, let's run through uh, our roster and our starting 11 from last night. Of course, Rick Schantz, our, our coach, he played a 4-3-3 formation with the four defenders, three midfielders, and three forwards. So starting with the defense, our goalie, uh, Andre Rolls, was back from injury, and then we had two changes in our defensive lineup. Noah Billingsley was in for Darnell King, and Joey Farrell was in for Toby Adewole. So that meant on the back line there, of course, Andre Rolls in goal. Noah Billingsley was a right full back. Ryan Flood, left full back. Joey Farrell and James Musa were our centre backs. Owen, how did they all do? Well, I think as a, as a whole, you can't really complain. They conceded the one goal. It, again, there were times of sloppiness in the first half, but I think that a lot of that sloppiness kind of originated from the midfield, to be honest. Uh, rather than the defence. So, as a whole, Noah Billingsley, I thought, it was the first time we've seen him play for an extended period of time. 
And I think that he, he fit in pretty well. He was running up and down the touchline uh, before he eventually went off. He had a little bit of a groin, groin issue, which is why, why King came on. Um, then, you know, I mean, Joey Farrell scored. And the other thing to note, just think about how many times it was Joey Farrell that was up there challenging for the headers. Every time the corners came in, it always seemed as though it was Joey Farrell. Um, beyond that, Musa Flood, we've kind of get, getting used to what, what we're going to see out of them from the last few games. Ryan, you know, had a, a very good game, I think, compared to even some of the previous games where people perhaps, you know, there's a lot of hype around him. Perhaps it was a little bit of overhype, but I think that he did, he really played to, you know, that hype yesterday. The the runs that he had cutting inside, especially when he won that penalty, just he had a, a good game all around. Absolutely. Kelly, over to you. Let's talk about defense. I loved seeing Farrell back in the lineup. He's fun to watch. Uh, he does love those headers. And that kind of speaks to another, I mean, not to get off topic here, but I thought our set pieces looked a lot better last night. I think two of our goals were from set pieces from those corners. We had so many corner kicks, um, but yeah, he loves to get up there and get in the game. And it's, it's awesome. I was so happy he was in the starting lineup and that he was able to score and that the defense was so strong. Cause I'd like to see him in the lineup more often. I totally agree with Owen Billingsley looked great. He looked really athletic. He looked more aggressive. Uh, he looked like he'd settled in, which I think Owen had been projecting for a couple of weeks now. But then when King came in, you know, I feel really confident with him too. So it's really nice to have those two options. And yeah, flood the field. I'm I'm bought into the hype. Big fan. Awesome. Let's move to midfield. We had Lambert, Quinn, and Becaro, the usual three in midfield. How did they do, Owen? They didn't have the best time sometimes in that first half. I think they, a lot of the sloppiness did originate from them, and it was originating primarily for, from Lambert and Becaro, especially on the goal. The goal for Vegas, if you saw it, it was it was Becaro ultimately who, who gives the ball away. It was poor. And, you know, I, I had some extreme concerns, to be honest, admittedly from the far side, that Vicero might have been about to bring the player down. And that that would have been far more concerning in the end, I think, than giving away the goal, because they would have been down to 10 men. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we can pick those things up, but the team won 5-1 in the end, so... It, feels a little harsh being too critical. Kelly, over to you, midfield. Agreed. They were sloppy. And last week I was appealing to them to join the attack. And I think they did, probably not based on my recommendation, but uh, but they let defense slide a little bit. So, you know, that certainly wasn't the goal. Yeah, I think they made... I think they made it more challenging for our back line and, and the pressure came more from them than it did from the other team. But... You know, we won, we won handily, so it's hard to complain. Um, maybe next week we'll talk about what we're going to do when we don't have the option to bring Lambert on because he's off. he'll be off on international duty. But that's a, a talk for another day. Let's move to our forwards, our terrifying trio again up front. We had Solo on the right, Santi Moore on the left, and Rufat Dadashoff, who scored a brace as our target man in the middle. I think we were all happy. Owen, do you have anything to say, any comments about those three? Well, I think for Rufat, it's it was important that he got those goals. Um, I think it was something that had been developing. It was almost like a pre-concern. You know, we weren't at the point where you could really come out and say that you were concerned about 
you know, is Rufat going to score? Because we know how good he is. But the, the question was, how long, if it, if it carries on where he wasn't scoring, would that eventually start to play in his head? And just getting the brace, getting those two goals to hopefully get all of that out of his head is massive. For Santi, he's keeping up that good form. And that's, you know, the longer he can keep that going, the better. And then for Solo, it, you, you know, you you always want to see the captain get on the score sheet just to keep people worried about him. Because again, it, it admittedly, yes, it came from a penalty, but you know, it, it, the, you've got to try and spread these defenses out, especially when you're facing some of these teams. They play free at the back, some of them, and you want to have that side where you know who are you going to mark who are you going to pay attention to and then when you've got solo on the one wing and santi on the other you're really stretching them because who who are you focusing on kelly who are you focusing on i can't answer that question because i was I, I had a different train of thought going forgive me but i will say terrifying trio for me at this point is uh the flood moar quinn happening they had a lot of um, really good synergy happening along that left side of the field. And I think that's a relationship worth watching. I also thought in, in regards to our front line, I saw Asante and Santi Moar switch sides at one point, I think around the 70th minute mark, uh, which is something that um, Flemings used to do as well, you know, kind of initiate a swap in play. And I thought that was fun. I don't know if if I really noticed that, uh, but that's something I'll be kind of watching for as well. Cause I think that would throw off a defense any day. Um, and then one other thing I want to say, Oh, you know, we score a lot. And I think in most games, we recognize that those five minutes, you know, before and after scoring or conceding a goal can be so, so powerful, so effective for the other team. Um, and I think that's something we need to start paying attention to. I feel like Vegas was really capitalizing on those those five minutes following our goals where we were celebrating. And so, so I think that's something we need to start being aware of, especially as we score more goals, a good problem to have, but it's just keeping that energy up and, you know, holding on to that momentum in those transitional times. Sure. Uh, we've had four games and Santi Moore has scored in each game. So it's, it's looking really good up front. Um, we know that that Dadishoff is is strong, and now he's on the scoreboard, and and Solo is also strong. I feel like in previous games that the focus was on Solo to to man mark him and to try to take him out of the game because traditionally he's involved in everything. Every success we've had, he's been our talisman, if you will. So um, yeah, we. We certainly did have a terrifying trio up front last night. We brought on five subs, Darnell King, Joey Calistri, Jeremy Kelly, Prince Sadie, and Ivan Gutierrez. Um, Kelly, you already said that Darnell King did really well. I'd have to agree with that. How about the others? Um, do you have any, any thoughts on our subs, Owen? Well, as, as a whole, they slotted in, I think, perfectly fine. I don't think anybody, Sean is just, you know, fantastic but they were coming into a team that was winning pretty handedly against a, a fairly poor young side um and you know there were times where especially from where i was you'd see kelly running in you'd see gutierrez running in and they they looked dangerous um even if 
perhaps you know the final ball wasn't there but i don't know it, it's it's hard sometimes to tell on these subs especially when they're coming in the game's starting to feel over um yeah it, it can be hard to tell at that point quite what exactly they contribute what exactly they're going to do when the stakes are actually higher if they come in so you know i i think it's a, it's a good time to to fence it as i appear to be doing this answer well sometimes you'll your coach will bring in players bring in substitutes very strategically maybe that wasn't happening last night they'll bring it in to to add more attack momentum or if there's an injury on the field they're 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 making a substitution for that but last night we didn't really have to do that um and strategically so we brought on Calistri, we brought on kelly sadie and gutierrez i was watching kelly because of something that you said in a, in previous weeks on that he's a very different type of player than uh who he replaced uh, kevin lambert and that his style of play that that he was he was he would roam more that he would get up in uh, behind the forwards and i was watching for that last night and i definitely saw it so so i think you're you're bringing a lot to the the fan experience as we watch the game and and pick up these things for you so so just want to give you a a, a shout out a kudos on that kelly do you have anything to say about the subs that were brought on no not particularly uh Agree. You know, it's like we brought on too many, so I didn't know who to watch and it just didn't feel like I was watching them in relationship to our usual team. You know, it was now we're watching them in relation to each other. I think it was unfortunate that Vegas was down so much. They weren't able to really do the same amount of subbing that we were. I think they needed their best team on the field and their best team was exhausted. So at that point, you know, the game was kind of over and, and it, I, I wasn't able to really to determine how I felt about any one particular player. I would have liked to have seen Kalistri do more. He generally brings a lot of attack, a lot of energy and can score some goals. We didn't need it. So, you know, it's not like he had that opportunity to rise to the occasion, but that would have been fun to see. And, you know, Prince with the footwork, it didn't result in anything, but if it does down the line, that will be, that will be fun to talk about. Yeah, there were a lot of oohs and ahs in the stadium in response to Sadie's fancy footwork. I'm blowing the halftime whistle on this segment. Thank you, Owen and Kelly. Next up, Susio and Tori are back with us for part two of their interview. Part one was in episode four. After that, Kelly brings us the league standings with a little extra spice this week. And then it's on to our extra time segment, where we learn about the MLS drama plaguing our next opponent, Sacramento Republic. And we'll preview the game. Last week, in part one of this story, we heard from two Phoenix Rising supporters, Tori and Susio. They told us about how they first heard of Phoenix Rising FC, about the excitement they felt at the first games they attended, and the moment that they knew in their hearts that Phoenix Rising was their team, their passion. They told us about their individual backstories, about how they each played soccer into their 20s, and Tori talked about being a referee for several years. Susio told us about his game day ritual of tying his Phoenix Rising scarves around his wrists and giving them a good shake to help him get into the zone to essentially push the play button on his match day fan experience. We cut into this interview with Susio telling us about how he and Tori met. He goes on to tell us how their group of two 
began to grow into a larger group of supporters that were in the terrace behind the two supporters groups, Red Fury and Los Bandidos. What happens next is maybe why you were listening to this story, so let's get into it. Did you guys meet at a game? Yeah, that's how we met, actually. We, we, yeah. were, kind of, we were kind of sandwiched between the Banditos and the Red Fury at the time. We were kind of like right there in the middle. And uh, that's, how, that's how we met. We just hung out, you know, we hit it off really well. And next thing you know, the, the small little circle of us around in that area just started meeting up before the games together, hanging out together. Cool. So, Susio and Tori, you guys are the founders of the newest supporters group, Valley Fever. So, it's such a great name. Who came up with the name? I did. Yeah, I'd have to say that was that was Susio. Uh, it's a beauty. Like I said, sitting between the Red Fury and the Banditos, and we were thinking, you know, um, we've kind of like started our own little our own little cell here, our own little crew, and we we kind of like are right there with both of them, and you know, feeding off their energy and passion. And people who I had always talked to that we started to become friends with at the games or people I know that I've introduced to Rising who are part of Valley Fever. Um, at the time, I asked them what they thought about it. Everybody seemed to like it. So when Tori gave the thumbs up, I was like, all right, let's go with that. So do you guys have, have plans to, to grow and to be a huge supporters group? I mean, I, we plan on growing. I don't, I don't know how huge. Um, it's not like that's the be all and end all, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think first and foremost, we, we were passionate because we loved the game. And so, you know, we kind of want to go out there and, and use that as our jumping off point for the supporters group. You know, when we started this, we didn't know you know, kind of what was going on with the Red Fury. We wanted to join a, a supporters group or, or create one. And then when we kind of found out that the Fury were, you know, maybe going to be in the South End, but probably going to be in the North End, and we were like, well, we don't really know what's going on with it. Let's just go ahead and create one. You know, we can kind of be that jumping off point for people who don't necessarily want to be as high energy as the banditos who don't necessarily know that that's what a supporter section is. You know, we kind of want to bring the energy and everything, but we kind of want to give people a, a safe space a little bit too, to be like, you know, I'm not quite comfortable enough to be that passionate and crazy yet. You know, I do love the game. I want to watch it. I, I think there's times that, you know, there's some of those guys that on, the banditos i don't think see the game because they're just chanting and you know getting the crowd all riled up and i don't think that's necessarily for everyone but i think if people like kind of dabble in the supporters and you know be part of that family they could definitely join up with us because that's what we're about great so um in in the supporters section you're going to be making noise um, will you have your own chance? Will you be bringing your own drums or will you join in with the other groups? How's that going? How's that going to look? It's going to be all Vuvuzelas. That's all. Oh. <laughs> and cowbells. No, no, not that. Yeah. No, cowbells. We're, we're not trying to be proprietary as far as the chants go. We, I love like every, 
like Bandito's chance. There's some there's some Red Fury chance that I love that that I miss. You know, I think my favorite chant was, you know, I, I don't know his name. I'm sorry, but if he listens to this, um, homeboy who made the, you know, rising, you know, like the morning sun chat. That was one of my favorite chants. You know, like I want to bring, I, I, I want to do them all. If we make our own, cool. But I, I'd rather contribute a chant that we all sing, the Banditos, us, um, Union 602, which at the time that we pulled the trigger on Valley Fever, we didn't know about Union 602. Like, I think it was within about the same time, give or take. And and we're like, oh, wow, okay, okay, well, cool. But, you know, we're still doing our thing. But, um, yeah, we, as far as our own chance, I, maybe someday. Um, but I think I would only want to do our own chant if Banditos and Union 602 thought, you know what, that is a cool chant. Let's, let's all do that chant. Just like we we do all of theirs, and you know we we want to support them and echo their passion, and like like Tori said, we also want to be that transition group for people who who want that energy, want that vibe, but at the same time, you know, maybe aren't on on that that bandito um, energy level yet. Because man, those guys bring it all the time. I love them for the full ninety minutes and then some. Guys, obviously, you're going to be sitting together, standing together. Uh, on game day what a, what about outside of game day will you guys meet up socially i i mean we'll see how the the lockdowns and everything kind of end up but i i mean i don't see why why not. we do kind of live um opposite ends of the valley on there but you know especially on game days where maybe we're you know away and um, you know, I would love to meet up with everybody because you know that's how you watch soccer. Yeah. That's how you watch you know all of this. It's it's not as fun. You know, I can walk here and on the away days and and see all that, but it's not as fun without people. You know, soccer unfortunately is you know by yourself. You can get very passionate, but when there's not that banter, when there's not that back and forth between your friends and you know other supporters, when you can't you know, yell at what goes on in the game, wonder what earth is going on, what are they thinking? And then, you know, when there's no one else kind of echo with you, you can kind of lose some of that passion if you're just by yourself. So, you know, I think we'll we'll get together on a lot of that, yeah. especially if we get a, a big group going. Um, what about away games? Do you guys plan to attend away games? Will you travel together? No budget allowing. <laughs> you know, if, if if we could do that, definitely. You know, this will we be traveling in the amount of numbers, you know, like the Banditos do? N- probably not at first, maybe to some games, because, you know, like like our name says, Valley Fever, you know, we, you know, we're scattered all over the Valley, so those away games are going to be really, really awesome to get together and, and see them at, at a place um, with people who are right there sharing that passion with you. Guys, if somebody's listening to this and they say, these are my kind of people, how do they contact you? How do they join Valley Fever? You got to go to South Mountain and flash the uh, Valley Fever light like Batman and we'll come right <laughs> <in>. No, no. <laughs> no. Um, you can find us on, on, uh, on the Twitter I liked your first answer better. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know the Twitter is so. Um, but yeah, at Valley underscore SG for supporters group. That's how you can DM us there or just start following us there, whatever. Um, I believe uh, Tori also uh, 
we got a Facebook and, you know, stuff like that going on. Yeah. We got a, a Facebook and a page and a, and a Instagram as well. It's going to be the same as the, the Twitter handle. So it'll be Valley fever underscore SG. you know, you can kind of go there. Definitely going to be a lot more stuff on there. Once the games um, start going, we'll try to get some, you know, live feeds and stuff like that of what goes on in the Valley fever there. But, yeah, that's probably the best ways to reach out to one of those Twitter, especially. Yeah, and you you, you got to forgive us, Nile. You know, I mean, to quote my son, I'm a boomer, so I'm not very up on the, <laughs> the internet <laughs> stuff right now. So, uh, Susio and, and Tori, thank you so much for for joining me. Is there anything that I'm missing? Anything else that you want fans to know about Valley Fever? First of all, thank you so much for reaching out and and asking us to do this. This isn't this is our first interview. This has been awesome experience. We appreciate it, and uh, we love what you're doing. Um, and the the main thing I would say we want people to know, and, and that has a lot to do with like our crest and our logo and how we designed it and the elements involved, is that we're open, we're all inclusive, you know, like it's nice to be nice and be a rising fan. That's really all we care about. You could be a bandito and a Valley Fever fan, you could be a Valley Fever fan and a Union 602 supporter, or I mean not fan, but supporter. You know, you could be you could be a part of it, all of it. You know, we we are open. We're inclusive. Um, we just want people to know that if you're looking to dabble in, you know, that supporters group five, you're not, you're not exactly there yet, or maybe you still are, you know, we, we all, all kinds um, are welcome. Like, like I said, you know, so love the rising, bring a passion for the game. And, you know, it's nice to be nice. That's, that's what we're about. What a great message. Susio, thank you so much for the kind words. I think that's a wrap for us. Tori, it's been a pleasure to have you on here too. And I'll see you guys at the games. I appreciate it. Thank you, now. See you, man. Gotta, gotta get you a beer. <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> Take care. These are guys that love soccer. They love Phoenix Rising. They love the drama and the passion surrounding it. But even more than that, these are guys that know the game. They watch the players and the plays from a player's perspective. I mention this because it's a critical difference to how they enjoy the game and why their supporters group Valley Fever is different. The other supporters groups will shout, chant, play their instruments and dance their way through the game for the full 90 minutes. They're there passionately supporting the team and have a lot of fun doing it, but they're not necessarily there to watch all the details of the game. If you decide to spend an evening inside the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex with the Valley Fever, you will be welcomed. You will sing, you will chant, you will dance. If Phoenix Rising win, you will probably be soaked in beer, like the other supporters in the South End. But you'll also be paying attention to the details of the match for the full 90 minutes. And that's what makes Valley Fever different, and maybe the perfect fit for you. You can reach out to the guys on Twitter at Valley underscore SG. Phoenix friends, rising fans, this is Kelly McCarthy, 
back to talk USL standings at the start of week six. Remember, these early standings are essentially trash because the USL's rolling start means that some teams have played five games while others have only played two. But the standings are important because they give us the opportunity to talk about the USL's four divisions and spotlight interconference and interdivisional play. So let's take a look at the Atlantic division. The Tampa Bay Rowdies, boo, are at the top of their division. And although it pains me to say it, they're at the top of the league with 14 points after four games. No other team in the league has four Ws. Take note that all their games have been played in their home stadium which is just my subtle way of undermining their achievement. Their nearest competitor in the Atlantic division is Hartford Athletic, who is unbeaten after three games. The two teams won't meet for another month, so we'll continue to watch their progress leading up to that clash. In the Central Division, FC Tulsa is clinging to the number one spot with nine points after four games. They suffered their first loss last week to the team in the number two spot, Atlanta United 2, who has eight points after five games. Atlanta United 2 crushed FC Tulsa 5 to nothing. so it'll be interesting to see how long they stay in their current order in the table. Louisville FC holds the number three spot with seven points after three games. Note that their recent win was against San Diego Loyal in an interconference matchup. If you only caught the last few minutes of that game, well, you're lucky, because it sure sounds like the best end to a game in recent memory. Two of the three goals were scored after the 87th minute, and Landon Donovan picked up a red card. I'm not sure why that puts a spring in my step, but it sure does. Moving to the Mountain Division in the Western Conference, Rio Grande Valley FC is standing tall with nine points after three games. San Antonio and New Mexico United both have seven points and essentially identical statistics. Real Monarchs SLC and Austin Bold FC are at the bottom of the division and will match up on Wednesday night when both will be hungry to pick up some points. Finally, the Pacific Division. Phoenix Rising is back where they belong, top of the pops with nine points after four games. A smashing win against the Las Vegas Lights put Phoenix on top of LA Galaxy 2, who have eight points after five games. Take note and take pride in the fact that Rising have the best goal differential in the league with nine. Tacoma Defiance and Sacramento Republic FC round out the top of our division. Phoenix Rising takes on Sac Republic next Saturday night, May 29th in California at Heart Health Park. Hmm, pretty sure there will be a few broken hearts after that game. Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe to the Fan Experience to stay up to date on all USL standings. Okay team, are you ready for extra time? Start your stopwatches. In last week's show, episode 4, we learned about the drama surrounding Las Vegas Lights, who have become something of a second team for MLS side LAFC. This week, it's more drama but this time it surrounds our next opponent, Sac Republic, or Sacramento Republic. The drama is that they were offered a spot in MLS. They accepted it and shouted about it from the rooftops, only to have their parade not just rained on, but washed away completely when their financial backer decided to back down and announced that he would no longer support the team's MLS transition, 
Wow! Sports journalist Alicia Rodriguez covers Sacramento Republic FC and is here to fill us in on the drama. After we hear from Alicia, stick with us to hear updates on how Sacramento Republic have been doing since I spoke with Alicia and to get the lowdown on the upcoming game from Owen and Kelly. Alicia, welcome to the fan experience. Tell us about Sacramento Republic and what their fans expect from them this season. Yeah, Sacramento Republic is, I think, one of the kind of biggest teams, you could say, in, in the division. And what I mean by that is they've had a, a, a large and loyal following since they launched in 2014. Um, they won the USL Championship in 2014 in their inaugural season. And um, in some ways that that was a, a huge surprise. And in other ways, I think it was a testament to the work that they had done to launch the team successfully. Um, the fan base is really loyal and I think that they also have high standards. So they expect this team to compete and contend for titles every year. Uh, they've made the playoffs every season that they've been in the league, but um, they're still trying to get back to the top of that mountain. And uh, I think this year they have a renewed focus on, on trying to win a, a title um, and we'll see what happens. Obviously uh, we've just started the season, so who knows what's going to happen ahead of us. Fantastic. Sacramento Republic have been in the news a lot. They're no stranger to drama off the field involving a bid to move from the current league, the USL, to the top tier of soccer in the US, that's the MLS. So tell us about, tell us about all the drama. Sure, so uh, I think uh, it was in February, um, Sacramento Republic had previously um, been accepted into MLS with a launch date uh, coming into this year of uh, 2023. Um, so they were, you know, everything seemed to be ticking over smoothly and having, um, having the um, stadium project, you know, getting underway and, and working towards building for the first team roster, all that kind of thing uh, for the MLS side. And then the main investor for the MLS venture pulled out uh, rather abruptly. Um, and so it, it put the entire MLS expansion bid into a tailspin. Um, for now, the bid has officially been taken away from Sacramento, um, but MLS has said that there is a possibility they could get it back if they get the proper investors and uh, actually have those people follow through as far as paying for expansion fees and getting the stadium project truly underway, um, things like that. So um, it's we're in a little bit of a holding pattern right now. Uh, the club is working hard to try and find the investor or investors to get them back into MLS. And right now they are not uh, on track to go to MLS after all. So um, it, it's a really difficult moment, um, but we'll have to see what happens. I, I really can't predict um, whether or not they're gonna end up in MLS at this stage. It's, it's too soon to, to tell. Okay, let's talk about what happens on the field. So introduce us to the, to the team. Let's start with your coach. Sure. The coach is uh, Mark Briggs. Um, this is the second season uh, with Sacramento Republic. Uh, he previously coached at a couple other spots around the league. Um, he's actually English and he, uh, I believe, came through the Wolverhampton um, system and he might have played a little bit over there um, for Wolves uh, and before he came over to the United States. So he's, he's one of those guys who has, I think, a combination of experience in his native England, but also a, a pretty deep rooted experience in American soccer as well um, to kind of split the the, the difference between them. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it 
it seems like it's going pretty well for, with him and, and he's kind of molded this year's roster, I think, in, in the image that he is going for. Who are the players that Phoenix fans should watch out for in the game coming up? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, really intriguing players, but if I were to highlight a couple, I would definitely say um, Derek Formella. He's a Polish uh, forward. Uh, this is his third season, his second full season right now. Um, he got a goal and an assist in uh, Sacramento Republic's last game against Las Vegas. Uh, he's a player that I think is the most consistent um, attacker on the team. Last year, he was by far the leading scorer. They had a lot of trouble with uh, getting consistent uh, production out of other players uh, as far as goals are concerned. Um, but he was he was consistent and he looks like he's off to a good start to start the season as well. Uh, second player I would highlight would be another scorer, uh, Tucker Bone, who is a newcomer. He came from uh, Reno, which went out of business in the offseason. Um, but uh, Tucker is actually uh, from Sacramento, so he's coming home. And he scored two goals in two games. Uh, so he's off to a really good start for the team, uh, one off the bench and, and one as a starter. So uh, we may see that the uh, consistency issues in terms of production may be behind the team if if this uh, decent start is any indication. What can you tell us about the style of play from the team? Yeah, they're a team that I think likes to have the ball and, and, and likes to be in possession, uh, which is not unusual, I don't think, in this league. Um, this season, I think what's different is they've really put a lot into trying to uh, ramp up the intensity and in particular kind of um, be a little bit meaner, um, you know, have a little bit more of an edge. I think last season, the team sometimes got a little bit passive in games. And I think some of that is because there weren't fans um, in attendance for, you know, for most of the season because of the pandemic. And like I said earlier, Sacramento is a very well-supported team. Uh, they pretty much had uh, sellouts for their entire history up until the shutdown. And um, I think to an extent that the players weren't feeding off the fans and, and that hurt them. But I also think that the um, Mark Briggs and, and the front office really made an effort to try to um, make them a little bit tougher and, and try to, you know, make things difficult for the opponent. I think that's, that's really the key thing. Um, and this season they're going into a, a three center backs uh, formation uh, with wingbacks, uh, you know, kind of helping in defense and then pushing up into attack. Um, it's pretty interesting because it's a pretty big difference from what they were doing last season. And I think so far so good. Although I am interested to see when they play a few more difficult opponents like Phoenix, um, like Orange County, kind of see how, how they do in those kinds of games. But um, so far so good. They have two wins and two. Um, so you can't really complain about the results so far. In terms of fans being back in the stadium, it looks like you're about 50% right now. Is that the case? Uh, no, I don't think it's quite 50%. It, it's uh, trending up to that. I think last night they might have had 3,000 or 4,000, something like that. And um, so, uh, but they're hoping that in a week or two, they'll move up in a stage and uh, more people will be allowed. And uh, I think California is going to be a little bit further behind some of the other states as in terms of uh, allowing full capacity. But hopefully if, you know, people continue to get vaccinated and, um, case rates go down, then hopefully, you know, the, the stadium can be full at some point during this season. Great. We all want that. Let's finish up with score predictions. Who's going to win this game? Well, it's always tricky because obviously I think these are two good teams. I think these are two teams that are going to be 
uh, competing at the end of the season, um, you know, not only for the division lead, but also, you know, to actually win the the title potentially. Um, but you know what, I think it's probably going to be pretty tight. Um, the, the playoff game last season was really tight between these teams. And I think both teams are still kind of working on some things. So I'll uh, go, I'll sit on the fence a little bit and say it's going to be a 1-1 draw. Okay, very good. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the fan experience today, Alicia. Of course. Thanks for having me. Since I spoke with Alicia, Sac Republic played Orange County and they lost 1-0. So to summarize, they've had three games, the first one being against LA Galaxy 2, Los Dos, they won 1-0. Then they played Las Vegas, who we beat 5-1. Their result was a little different. They did beat Las Vegas, they beat them 3-1. Then they played Orange County and lost 1-0. So, Owen, how are you feeling about our upcoming game? Well, it's going to be a different challenge, um, and it's definitely a, a... Most of the games that Vikings had within their division have been fairly straightforward, or they felt fairly straightforward, even if we weren't expecting that out of San Diego. Um, you know, the only game they've really been challenged in is Tampa Bay away, um, which is a complicated one. Sacramento is different because Sacramento is a, a team that is traditionally very good in this league, and also are going to you know, probably be, given how things have started, the biggest challenge to rising in this division. Um, yeah, they've got some very good players there. You know, guys like Carlton Belmar, uh, Bone, you know, they're dangerous up top. It's going to be an interesting one because I think this is a good test for rising and it's going to be a good test for how they're going to finish at the end of the season, at least the regular season. Right. Um, you mentioned that we're going to see Carlton Belmar, and he always puts on a good show. Cameron Iwasa is also uh, a player to watch out for. And then a former Phoenix Rising player, Andrew Wheeler Omi Unu, uh, is, is on their side. And I think he's been making the starting 11 for them and doing pretty well. Said. well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Kelly, do you have anything to say about Sacramento Republic? I'm excited. I'm excited for the game. I think it'll be interesting because, you know, they are good and they will be at home. Uh, we've only been on the road once and that was a challenge for us. So, you know, that that may be a factor sort of psychologically going into the game. And then the only other thing I really noticed about Sacramento is their keeper, assuming he stays healthy through the week, um, watching him just in some of the highlights against OC, he made some incredible saves. So, you know, we're we sometimes count on the high scoring to get us um, in rhythm. And I don't know how easy it's going to be to get on the score sheet against, against that keeper. So that'll be another factor we've got to control for. Are we ready for score predictions, guys? Owen, are you ready for score predictions? Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> Always. <laughs> well, let me, let me take the pressure off you. Um, I, I'll start this week. I feel like the only common denominator between who we've played and who they've played is Las Vegas. We beat Las Vegas 5-1. They beat Las Vegas 3-1, but they had a lot harder time doing it. I think we're going to beat them next week. It's an away game. It's going to be tough for us. Um, I still feel like we're going to come out of a 3-1. Oh, I think that's a bit ambitious. I think that if Rising are to win, 
I think we're talking of a one-goal margin. Um, but even then, I'm not entirely convinced of that. I think it's the first time with these two teams going up against each other. I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to say one all. And Kelly? Well, I sort of agree with you both, which leads me to my prediction. Three, two, rising. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Owen, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And that will do it for episode five. Thank you, Phoenix Rising family, for listening to this podcast, for subscribing, and for riding this wave of joy that it is to be a Phoenix Rising supporter. Thank you, Sam Healy, for the music. Thank you to our guests, Alicia Rodriguez on Twitter at Soccer Musings, to Owen Evans at OJEvans18. Thanks to Kelly, and of course to Susio and Tori at Valley underscore SG. Good luck to our boys as they travel up to Sacramento, and if I'm lucky, I'll see you at a watch party.